Welcome back to our High Five, where we're going to highlight five awesome things that are happening in the life of our church. So let's jump into it. Up at number five, this past week, our young adult group met at our Manchester outpost for a barbecue, where they enjoyed good food and yard games. It was a sweet time together, and there's more to come. Young Adults is meeting for an event every other week throughout the summer. So if you're a young Worship adult, you ages together, 18 through 29, who's been looking for a place to have some fun, Amen. connect with others, and grow in your faith, visit church.one slash groups to find the young adult group and join in on the next one. Up at number four, the town of Franklin celebrated their fifth annual Winnie River Days Festival this past week, and of course, our Franklin Outpost was there to share in on the fun. Volunteers from the Franklin Outpost helped out in the family area with bouncy houses and bubbles for families to enjoy in between kayak runs down the river. High five, Franklin, to getting out and sharing God's love in your community. Here at number three, this past week at our Manchester Outpost, one church hosted Adventure Bible Camp where kids four years old through fifth grade had a blast playing games, learning dances, doing crafts, and of course, learning about Jesus. High five to all the kiddos who went. Here's to many more fun times like these. Up at number two, people from all over the Concord region gathered on Main Street for their annual Market Day Street Festival this weekend. Amongst food vendors, live music, and crafts, we found our Concord Outpost sharing God's love with hundreds of people. High five Concord for sharing God's love with the capital city this weekend. And finally, up at number one, we're celebrating Destiny and what God is doing in her life. This past Sunday at our Concord Outpost, she found herself ready to respond to what God was calling her to do, and she was baptized. It was a beautiful celebration of her faith in Jesus. Way to go, Destiny. This high five goes out to you today. Thanks for joining us for our high five, and I can't wait to celebrate with you in the next one. All right, good afternoon, Franklin. How are we feeling? Feeling good? I want to address something before we dive into today's message. Theus, it says better half. That's my wife. So if you're a first time guest here and is like, what do, the heck, what do they mean by that? She is my wife and she is the better half. I will give her that everyone. So I just wanted to clear that up, <laughs> but uh, thankful to be worshiping with all of you together today as we continue on with bedtime stories. And something that I've been aware of, something that is made known to me that is very obvious, and maybe you are in the same boat as I. There are differences in my life now compared to when I was a kid. And there are pros and cons, some cons. I can no longer touch my toes, all right? That went away a few years back. I also know that different uh, sleep habits affect me more on a daily basis. Maybe you're the same way. If I do not get a solid eight hours, I am useless the next day. That is a new reality that I live in. Also with some foods possibly that you're experiencing. When we were kids, you could knock down a whole mountain of candy. The night of Halloween, you'd pile it on the bed. That stuff would be gone in under, gone in under two hours. That was the reality. Now, if I get one of like those frozen beverages at Dunkin' Donuts, you know what I'm talking about? If I sip down one of those, my heart feels like it's gonna pound out of its chest immediately. I remember trips to elementary school. That'd be like the special treat. We'd stop at Dunkin' Donuts, get one of those, and I would knock it back. I'd be tired by noon, right? Now it just completely affects me in a different way. Now, those are maybe some cons, but then some pros. All right, we can drive. That's helpful, okay. Uh, we can vote. 
that's, that's a good thing, maybe. Uh, who knows? Um, but then also, I don't feel like I'm getting the wind knocked out of me as often as when I was a kid. When we were kids, I felt like I was getting the wind knocked out of me on a weekly basis. I don't know what it was. You'd be driving, riding your bikes with your friends, and that kid would go over the handlebar, and they're like, oh, man, Johnny, you okay? And he's like, I'm fine. We're good. Let's keep going. Like, kids, they are not affected by it. It just keeps on going. And I remember one time in particular, I got the wind knocked out of me so bad. I was in middle school. I was hanging out with my brother and our cousin David. Cool Cousin Dave, we call him, because David had an Xbox and we did not. So he was Cool Cousin Dave. And one day, hanging out with Cool Cousin Dave and Cool Cousin Dave's friends, we decided to play a game of football. Something to keep in mind. Cool Cousin Dave, my brother, and Cool Cousin Dave's friends are all juniors and seniors in high school. Your boy Luke over here was just wrapping up the sixth grade, okay? So there's a difference in size, that these guys are more like adults at this point, and then there's me over here still figuring out how my arms work. Like, that's where we are. But I was down for the game, all right? And we didn't do a family-friendly game of football that involved two-hand touch rules or even flag football. Instead, we did full contact tackle football. But I am not about to back down to Cool Cousin Dave and Cool Cousin Dave's friends. So I'm good, I'm scrappy, I'm wrapping up legs, things are going pretty well, until there's a play where I am on offense and the quarterback's here, and I'm lined up on the far side, right here along the sidelines. He goes, ready, sit down, sit down, hike, drops back, and I'm wide open, and I see the ball coming to me. I'm like, ah, here it is, my moment. I catch it, I turn, and like a freight train, Cool Cousin Dave's big old friend comes and just takes me with everything that he has and all the oxygen filling my lungs, even in my diaphragm, spills out into the open air. And now I'm there. Oh my God, okay, wow. And I think truly made it till the end of sixth grade. This has been a long life. Uh, this is where it ends. Surely this oxygen, this air is never gonna come back into my lungs. And that's how you feel when you get the wind knocked out of you. You're gasping for air, you're, you're feeling it, you're trying to fill up and you just can't, it just can't and it seems like this is now reality. This is now all that we know in this moment of fear and despair and darkness and woe. And eventually the lungs do come back. Our breath does, does come back in that moment. But in the midst of it, it's hard to see past the pain that we experience. It was hard to, to see past the pain I was experiencing in that moment. And the story that we're looking at today in our series, Bedtime Stories, the Israelites, God's people, are in a very similar situation. Where they feel like they are just looking at this hopelessness and despair, and there is no escape from the grief that they feel. When Ezekiel is writing this, he and some of the other members of the land of Judah have been taken captive by the Babylonians. They are these prisoners of war, almost these refugees. And so they are away, and what happens when they are away from, the, from God's land is uh, they start to worship the gods of the Babylonians as well, forgetting the true God, forgetting their God, and instead worshiping these false gods. Meanwhile, back in Jerusalem, What's happening in the temple of God, the temple that was, was built and built up to only worship God, now what's happening in there is that people are worshiping false gods even within the temple of the Lord as well. And through many visions that Ezekiel has coming to fruition, we find out that uh, Jerusalem has fallen. And God's people 
are just lost in this moment, not knowing what to do next, not feeling like that breath is coming back. And what's happening here is that the people of Israel, God's people, their hearts are being hardened to God, falling away from the one true God, only seeing the darkness that is ahead of them. But what's amazing about our God, the true God, about Yahweh, is that he wants to make himself known to his people. He wants to make himself known to us as well. So he promises to Ezekiel that he is going to soften the heart of the nation and bring them back into his love. We're reminded of this and it's set up for us in our memory verse for this series. We go through each series and we have a memory verse that goes alongside of it. And this one is found in Psalm chapter 107, verse two. It's gonna be up on the screen behind me. Would you read it aloud with me together this afternoon? It says, let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Those he redeemed from the hand of the foe. Sometimes our stories might resemble that of God's people where we pick up in the story that we're looking at today. That all that we see is this pain and all that we see is this despair and we think that God's long gone. But what's amazing and what is true is that we are called to tell of our story, that story of redemption, the story that we have been delivered from the hand of the foe. And the reason that we are able to live and exist in this truth, in this true story, is because that our God is a God of redemption. Our God is in the resurrection business as well. Not only does he redeem us, but we're looking at the story today where he is in the business of resurrection. So at this point in the story, as I mentioned, the Israelites, they have their hearts hardened to God, but they're not gonna stay that way. He's not just gonna leave them in this pit of despair and worry and pain and death as long as they see. No, God promises to bring them out of this and into his loving arms. Now this story is gonna get a little weird. It involves a skeleton army coming back to life. This is the vision that Ezekiel sees. And something that we've been doing throughout this series is I sit in this nice chair, because we're going through bedtime stories, right? And I thought that on this dark and stormy day, we could add a little mood lighting <laughs> as we tell the story. So here we are. We are in Ezekiel chapter 37, starting in verse one. The hand of the, wait, that's not right. The hand, the hand. The hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, son of man, can these bones live? I said, sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. Pause there. What we're seeing here 
is Ezekiel is surrounded by all this death, all of this destruction. This valley of dry bones is all that he sees. And maybe we often find ourselves in moments like that where whatever we're faced with, we cannot look past. We think that this is all that there is to come anymore, that we just can't catch our breath, and surely this is life from now on, and we are stuck within this valley of despair. It can be this sort of moment of desperation, where there is only death and only this, there's no signs of life to be seen. And when we are stuck in this moment of desperation, what's going to happen is we're going to start to reflect. That's what Ezekiel does here. He goes back and forth among the bones. In this moment of desperation and when we are reflecting on it, eventually that moment of reflection is going to come. Maybe you're like me and you're coming across this time of despair and you just have the thought like, oh, if I just ignore it, it'll go away. If I just don't think much about it, it, nothing's gonna go wrong. If I just continue on to keep it in the rear view mirror, it'll just pass me by. But eventually whatever we're going through is gonna affect our lives. We're gonna be faced with it. We're not gonna be able to ignore it any longer. It's gonna rear its head and we will take notice of it. And we'll be forced to reflect on it. And in that moment, of reflection, this, this question comes up for us. And if we believe what we believe about God, this is the question that arises. And is God, the, the question is, is God sufficient enough to handle, to deal with the struggle that you are going through? When we're questioning this moment, we have, that when we're reflecting on this, we have the question, is God sufficient enough? And if the answer to that is no, then we're gonna land on something else. No, God isn't sufficient enough, but you know what? I'm sufficient enough, so I'm going to handle it. And that's going to last for a certain long time, and then eventually you're going to let yourself down. And then you're going to say, God still isn't good enough to handle this moment, so instead my work is going to be sufficient enough for me. And you'll dive into work, and you'll make that your identity, thinking it's going to be able to handle the moment or despair that you're dealing with, but eventually work's going to let you down. And you'll say, God still isn't sufficient enough. My friends are sufficient enough. And you'll try that out for a little bit. Then they'll let you down again. And then you'll say, well, my family's sufficient enough. And you might dive into them. But then family surely is going to let us down too. Not ragging on friends, not ragging on family. But what we know to be true about the spirit and the power of God is that only he is sufficient enough to handle this grief, this turmoil that we're going through. Not only is he sufficient enough, he fulfills it fully in every way that we need. That spirit is with us. His spirit is with us. What we see when we ask this question, is God sufficient enough? The answer being, yes, he is. Then this divine intervention comes in, and we see that in the story. And what I'd like to do quickly is I'd like to introduce a new segment that's going to crop up maybe in some of our messages together. The new segment is called Nerd Out with Luke. There we go. Welcome to Nerd Out with Luke. Here we are. In verse 5, the Hebrew word for breath is ruach. Can you say that with me? Ruach is real guttural right here. And I'm only 40% certain that I'm saying it right. But it comes up in verse 5 when it's referring to the word breath. And that same word, ruach, is used at the beginning of this passage when referring to the Spirit of God. This has been Nerd Out with Luke.
What am I getting at with it? Is that the only way that we are gonna gain this breath back in our lives is through the power of the Spirit. When it's referring to breath, it's not just referring to the air that we get, but it's referring to the fulfillment of the Holy Spirit that is able to reside in us because of the death of Jesus on the cross. That is the breath that brings us back from these moments of despair, from these pits where all that we see is pain and worry. We don't see any way out. What gets breathed back into us is none other than the Spirit of God. It's God that is transforming us from the inside out, making us into new creations that he intervenes on our behalf so that we can live fully in him, that we are no longer identified by other factors in our lives from our worry or our anxiety or our stresses or whatever we face, but we have our sole identity based as children of God, as members of the family of God, ones that are rooted in the Lord most high, the Lord over all creation. What Ezekiel is doing is he is prophesying to these bones in this vision, prophesying to the God's people here. And to prophesy means to make the unknown known. And that's what he's doing. What's happening as he's making the unknown known is that he is showing how God promises to bring Israel back into his arms. But it's not just empty promises, that God is going to act on those promises for his people. So God is in the resurrection business, and God is open for business we will see that he fulfills these promises to bring his people back to him. So we continue on in our story. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound. And the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked and tendons and flesh appeared on them and skin covered them. There was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says, come breathe from the four winds and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me and breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. In this vision that Ezekiel has, this army has been defeated. This army's been laid to waste. We're in a valley of just endless death as far as he can see. You would think that the enemy has won. And that's exactly what the enemy wants us to think. That's exactly what the hand of the foe wants us to believe. That there is no way out of whatever grief we are feeling or whatever darkness that we are living in. That there's no way out of that. That this is all that there is from here on out. But no, our God is capable of so much more than anything that we can fathom. That even in our darkest moments that we think, surely God cannot reach me here in this pit. He comes in, he says, no, here is my spirit. Here is my breath that is for you. And come out of this and live in my breath. And my spirit that flows through you, the spirit of power and love and of self-control, a spirit that is full of patience and kindness and joy that is for us and not against us. And this promise, this promise of this breath, it's not just for ourselves, but it's for others as well. So we get to speak of this spirit, this, the speak of this breath and this life. And when we do so, we get to speak of this life obediently. 
Ezekiel prophesied when God told him to. He made the unknown known when God commanded. And when we share of this life with others, let's share of the true character that is of God. Sometimes we can latch on our different understandings of God and we can make God come out as this sort of angry figure that we, we latch on anger, we latch on fear and sadness and judgment, and we, we share that life to those around us. But instead, the share a life that speaks of the truth of God's character. And that is rooted in love, rooted in patience and kindness, rooted in acceptance and just rooted in a welcoming spirit that says to people, no matter who you are or what you've done or what's been done to you, this spirit, this life is for you. We can speak that life obediently and we can speak it, speak it attentively as well. Ezekiel notices the bones rattling and coming together. He's seeing the spirit of God move amongst this valley here. And we can do the same. If we are called to share and speak this life, let's be on the lookout for how God is working in mighty ways. We can fall into the mindset of like, well, God, I prayed for it and it didn't work. Uh, well, God, I did your will, but uh, guess what? Didn't work. And then we just go about thinking like, well, it didn't work, so I'm gonna go about it my way. I'm gonna go about it the way that I see fit. But did we stop and listen? Did we stop and, and look around, having our eyes open to how God is moving in these mighty ways in the world around us? And the reason that we can speak life attentively is that we can speak life expectantly. Because God fulfills his promises. If he says he's going to do something, he'll do it. And he doesn't just stop there, he continues on. Because what's happening in this story of all these, these visions that he's giving Ezekiel and in the midst of all this hopelessness and despair is God is revealing how he is going to speak life into his people, how he's going to speak life in his spirit to all nations and how he is going to speak life in his spirit through all creation as well. So what we see is that God is in the resurrection business, that he is open for business, and that business is good. And what happens when business is good is you don't close down the shop. You keep things open. If you are selling lemonade and you got a line around the block, you don't stop selling lemonade. You keep on going. That's what God is doing. He's not just stopping here. He's going to continue on, and he's still working in the world around us today. So to finish up, with the promise that he has for Israel. Verse 11 says this. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. They say our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. My people, I am going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord, when I open your graves and bring you up from them, I will put my spirit in you and you will live and I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and I have done it, declares the Lord. 
when we are faced with these moments of grief and what might feel hopeless, we have sort of two different roads that we can take. We can take the road that God's people are declaring here. Our bones are dried up. Our hope is gone. We are cut off. And we start to accept that as our reality and accept that as our truth. That everything is dried up and there is no sense of hope. And then worst of all, we feel cut off as well. We feel cut off not only from God, but also from his people. Cut off from loved ones, cut off from the community that we are placed in. And then we're just left spinning and spinning and spinning and just thinking that this is the only way forward. And maybe we're there today. Maybe some of you are there right now and you're feeling cut off and you're feeling that all hope is lost. But then there's, instead of just that option that we can take, we can continue on with what God promises to us and what we know to be true about how he is sufficient for us and for his people. He says it later on in this passage. First of all, that we are God's people. That gets thrown around a lot. Oh yeah, I'm a child of God. We are God's people. Like, listen, the creator of heavens and earth, everything, everything that we see, powerful God, the Lord Almighty, you are his people. He says, my people belonging to God fully. Like, God is sufficient enough for us? Like, let that be truth enough that we are God's people. First, accepting that. In these moments of despair, accept that we are God's people. Accept that he is not done. He says he's going to open up the graves and bring them out of it, that he will live in us, that he has given us this spirit, a spirit of power and love and self-control that he has given to his children, and he also promises that he will restore us. He's restoring his people back into the land that was promised them. He is restoring us into his loving arms where we no longer have to exist in despair, but instead get to exist in joy. And he wraps it up of all this is promised and is possible because then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and have done it. That truth, that he has spoken and he has done it, is something that we can take hold of and know to be true. Because we might be sitting here today and man, something in your life just knocked the wind out of you. Something in your life made, made all the oxygen in your lungs and all over your body just flow out and you are sitting here lying on the ground gasping for breath. And you just can't quite catch it. But what's promised is that the Lord has spoken and he has done it. We can take hope and know for certain that God has not given up on us, that his power is vast and can conquer anything that we are stuck in. It shines light into the deepest of valleys that we don't know the way up. And he says, here I am, be filled with my spirit. Here I am, go forth, conquering this grief, conquering these dry bones, knowing that in the end, God always wins. 
this promise that we, we have for us of his spirit being in us is what we recognize when we say yes to Jesus and participate in communion together each week. It's an opportunity to say yes to Jesus, to say, Lord, I accept this, this spirit that you have for me, this breath that is filling my lungs, this breath that is conquering all these griefs that I have in my life. And we're seeing him as the savior, the one who pulls us out of that moment of despair. It says that on the night that he was betrayed, Jesus took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. This is my spirit, which is for you. This is the life, which is for you, that I have promised you to be in communion with me. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup. And he said, this is my covenant in my blood. My new covenant. My promise to you that you don't need to live in that grief. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me to the king. If you're feeling like the wind got knocked out of you recently, or maybe a long time ago and you're still trying to catch your breath, and you need prayer or encouragement, I'll be down here. I'd love that opportunity to pray with you and encourage you, show you that, share, share with you together that the Spirit of God is residing in us, and with Him we have that life and we have that breath. And also, if you're here today, and it's been going, 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 <laughs> grief and hopelessness and you're feeling like you are just separated from that spirit of God and, and you're saying, I, I want part of that spirit. I want part of that family of God. And you want to be baptized into the family of God. We do have the water back here behind me. We can celebrate that with you, the gift of baptism. Some of us as well, after the service, uh, Courtney, who's down in our, our kids' service, she's getting baptized in Webster Lake. Right, later on as well, if you want to come by as well and, and celebrate in that or even be baptized in the, in the lake yourself. You'll be partially wet as you drive over there, so just, you know, finish off there. But we'd love to celebrate that with you, where we have this opportunity to signify dying to our old self and being brought back to life fully within that spirit and that breath. But would you stand with me as we close in prayer together? Dear Heavenly Father, we are thankful for that spirit of power that you have granted us and that you continue to grant us every day. Lord, and we are able to exist in that spirit because we know that we are your people, that you are our savior, and that you have given us this spirit to draw us out of those moments of grief and despair. Lord, if there's anyone here going through this time, we ask for the moment of courage and, the, and that moment of community that you grant us to come alongside one another and show this encouragement that you have, that we don't have to go it alone, but instead you've granted us this, this family of love for one another, this family of encouragement for one another. Allow that to strengthen us this day. We thank you for this time that we can worship you together 
on this beautiful afternoon. In your name we pray, amen. the stars to shine he is to the one who graced the dead of night pull me from the dark and set my heart alive is to the one who made my heart to sing open up my eyes and wash away my sin he is to the one who gave his life for mine Broke all my chains and set me free All right to the way Oh, to the truth Oh, to the life I live and the light you give He is to your name over everything That your love has done. He is to the way you walked away my past. He is to the future and things to come. He is to my Savior's everlasting love. To the way, oh, to the truth, oh, to the life I live in the light you to 